From Muhlenberg College, this is 2400 Chew. I'm Tammy Katzoff, and in each episode of this podcast, I talk to one Muhlenberg graduate about their current work and the industry in which that work is done. For this episode, I spoke with Alex Kelleher-Nagorski, class of 2010, Associate Director of Publicity for Scholastic. As I do with most of these interviews, I began the conversation by asking how and when Alex became interested in his occupation. So I've always been a very big bookworm. Growing up, I was always reading. Books have always been my escape. I've always grown up loving to read and to follow series and authors I love. Uh, When I was at Muhlenberg, I was an English major. And I just loved so much every part of being able to do creative writing, being able to learn about how books are made, how magazines are made. I've always been very interested in publishing. Uh, My dad is actually a published uh, author. He is a nonfiction historian, uh, mostly focusing on World War II. So growing up, I was always surrounded by books and by all of his publishing friends and as for as long as I can remember, I knew that I wanted to somehow be involved in the book world. I didn't know in what capacity or what that meant. So there were times that I thought I would be a novelist. There are times that I thought I'd become a picture book writer. I even tried to illustrate at one point, but I have no artistic talent. So that <laughs> went out the window pretty quickly. But I've, I've always been very drawn into the world of books and it's always been in my heart and I think I've had a pretty unique career in that I've been in publishing, but I've also been able to move around a little bit outside of publishing, which has really underlined and highlighted for me that my passion really is within the publishing industry. I noticed that you've been at Scholastic for how long now? I have been there for a little over two weeks. (laughs) A little over two weeks? Yeah. Okay. So I have, I have a lot of questions. Yeah. Okay. We'll get to the company um, in a minute, but how did that happen during a pandemic? Just curious. Honestly, it was just, um, it, it was just luck. Um, so prior to my time at Scholastic, I was working at Little Brown Books for Young Readers, another children's book imprint. And it, it had been at that point, one of my favorite jobs I've ever had. I particularly really, really gravitate towards children's publishing for a lot of reasons, but one of them is that I have found that children's publishing is the most unpredictable part of publishing that I could work in, in that I get to work on such a vast array of different types of books. Um, I work on everything from board books to picture books to middle grade books to chapter books to YA uh, to nonfiction. It's everything really running the gamut from ages zero to 18 and being able to work on such a vast array of different types of books and topics. It really keeps you on your toes because as opposed to some other types of publishing jobs where like, for example, if you're working in only a romance imprint, you're going to be only working on the same genre of books. So as, as a publicist, you're reaching out to a lot of the same contacts about a lot of the same titles you're working on over and over again. And for me, I just love the unpredictable nature of being able to go from a very silly, humorous picture book to a YA novel about the Holocaust. It, it really provides a very full, uh, a very well-rounded 
opportunity to get to work with so many different people, not only within the company, but with so many different media contacts. And as somebody who works in publicity, it's really nice to be able to continue expanding my Rolodex of contacts and being able to really uh, focus on so many different things. And as a result, I have learned so much. I've been very fortunate to work on some really powerful, amazing books that have educated me as well. I think one of the great things about YA literature specifically is that there's such a large adult audience that's built into that. There's so much crossover there, um, especially when it comes to nonfiction, because a lot of times there are nonfiction books that are written for adults that, you know, sometimes can be truthfully a little dense. They can be, you know, a 2000 page history on a specific topic, but then there's the young readers edition, which is 300 pages and much more distilled accessible way to approach that subject matter. So it's been very interesting because I, I feel like I kind of get the best of all worlds mm-hmm. being able to work in children's publishing because it just, it really allows for so much diversity Scholastic for me, the company has been a part of my life since very early childhood, I'm sure. I was an avid reader as a kid and I just remember, you know, I remember that company as being a big part of my life. But especially in the past 20 years, I associate the brand with Harry Potter. Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, was that kind of a part of your life as well? Oh, yeah. I mean, Harry Potter was a Like most people my age, I would say, I think Harry Potter was really the first book that I became crazily obsessed. I remember when the first book came out, I was at a summer camp. I think I was about somewhere eight or nine years old and someone gave me a copy of the book and I devoured it and I immediately had to know more. Before that, I had never really had any exposure to any sort of fantasy literature Uh, Growing up, I was very much into the classics. Uh, You know, I loved Anne of Green Gables and The Secret Garden and all those types of books. But Harry Potter, I think, was my first introduction to sort of contemporary literature. And it really just blew my mind open. And I think one of the great things also is that Harry Potter, not just for me, but for so many people of my generation reinvigorated a love of reading and made books a hot commodity again at a time when maybe, you know, there wasn't a series like Harry Potter, a contemporary series like Harry Potter that children were flocking to the door to buy, you know? I mean, I remember several of the releases later on where I would stand in line at midnight at Barnes and Noble to be one of the first people to get the book. Mm. And that was just sort of a pop culture phenomenon around literature that at that point I had never seen or experienced. So for me, Harry Potter was a a huge, huge introduction to the world of modern literature and to a degree to children's literature. It really, really helped solidify for me that this is the specific area of publishing that I would like to continue working in. I'm guessing, I'm not even guessing, I'm fairly certain that because Harry Potter was published or is published, continues to be published by Scholastic, Scholastic became a, a very different company in, in a lot of ways. That relationship, Harry Potter, Scholastic, explosion, right? Yeah, I mean, it still continues to be, of, of course, one of our, our, our top selling books, our, our top selling series. Uh, it's been really wonderful because I think also, Harry Potter just generally ushered in a whole new wave of 
middle grade and YA literature for a generation of fans that may not have previously been looking for more books once they were done with the Harry Potter series. What was a typical day for you in publishing before the pandemic? Truthfully, there is no such thing as a typical day, which is part of what I love about my job. It definitely keeps you on your toes. I've had jobs in my career in the past where they've been formulaic in the sense where I could go in and say, it's Monday, so I know I'm going to be doing X, Y, Z. It's Tuesday, I'm going to be doing these things. But with publishing, uh, you're working with so many different authors, so many different illustrators, and whether that's planning book tours, whether that's um, planning interviews, whether it's trying to get authors on TV shows, you never know what the day is going to bring. Of course, you know, you have the, the standard weekly meetings and all of that kind of stuff you can prepare for. But generally, I would say that it's a very unpredictable position in that you go into each workday not really knowing what to expect. And I think that kind of excitement uh, is really something that keeps me on my toes and why I've been so attracted to it. So, so once again, back to pre and post pandemic, book tours happened before. Comic-Cons happened before. Television shows, chat shows, late night shows happened in front of audiences before. So tell me about how PR and publishing has had to change. You know, it's been very tricky. As you, were, as you mentioned, book tours, I mean, that has been one of the um, most interesting and challenging things to try and find new ways to get authors engaged with their fans and with consumers when they can't go to bookstores because bookstores are closed or because there are only certain crowd allowances. So for us, we've had to pivot and start to plan a lot of virtual events. And when this pandemic first began, there was definitely a learning curve of what's the best platform to use? Should it be Zoom? Should it be Crowdcast? Should it be Instagram Live? Is it Facebook? Is it Twitch? There are all these different things that we had to, along with the bookstores, learn together to figure out what is the most effective way to get these authors out there? What is the best way to get audiences engaged? And how can we replicate that in-person bookstore experience for people when they're not getting it? Because, you know, a lot of times people will go to a book event because they want to get a signed book from the author or a selfie with the author. Uh, so what are ways that we can engage with consumers in the same type of way when they're not in person? So it's been really fun, but it's also been challenging to learn and grow as we navigate this new landscape. But mm -hmm. I think, you know, in terms of the pandemic, what has been really interesting is that I do really feel that people are turning to books now more than ever. And I think, you know, a lot of that has to do with, of course, that so many kids are at home and parents are looking for resources of ways to keep their kids engaged when they're you know, only doing a couple of hours of online schooling a day and they need something to do. Things like activity workbooks have been really wonderful for a lot of people as a way to keep their kids mentally stimulated. Mm -hmm. I think that given everything that's going on in the world in 2020, uh, books that have been sort of resources to teach kids about anti-racism have become very, very important. Of course, they always were, but there's mm. been this added urgency for those types of titles. And I think that being able to concentrate on getting 
the right books into the right people's hands has really skyrocketed in the past few months. Um, and that's been really encouraging to see. A lot of times, especially with kids, there are a lot of reluctant readers out there. And so being able to find the right book that will not only engage a child like that, but inspire them to want to make the world a better place has been one of the most rewarding and amazing parts of these past few months because so many books to teach kids about what's going on in the world and provide them with the context of how do we make a better tomorrow has provided me personally with so much hope that there is a light at the end of this dark tunnel we're in right now. Mm. And I really just being able to be just a small part of that has been so rewarding. And I've really cherished seeing that need for books really really be amplified in these past few months. You kind of semi-answered my next question, um, which would have been, what are the most challenging parts of your job and what are the most rewarding? So you answered the part two. Um, What are the most challenging parts of your job? Uh, With children's books specifically, it's a little different because for my adult book counterparts, they're selling books or, or marketing books or publicizing books directly to the consumer who is going to purchase the books. However, with kids, we have to be mindful that it's really usually the parents who are buying the books. So it's a way of creating a conversation about these titles that gets both the parents and the kids excited about it. And that's something that can be pretty challenging at times because, you know, there are a lot of important topics that are being covered in children's literature today that are not perhaps the easiest topics for parents to approach with their kids, but the books allow them a gateway into that. For example, a few months ago, I worked on a middle grade novel that was written in verse about a seventh grader who had been sexually assaulted by her uncle. And the book was about the aftermath of what had happened. And the first half of the book, nobody in her life believes her. And it's about the grief and the anger and Mm. the pain that that this child was going through. And, you know, that's not something that, you know, if it's not a topic that I think a lot of people are comfortable or, or willing to have those types of conversations with young kids, but the books allow them to at least have a starting point to be able to help kids understand how to talk about these things, how to get their power back when they feel so alone being able to work on books like that, that really allow kids who might feel isolated or who might not see themselves represented in the commercial books like Harry Potter's really find themselves in literature and find a way to heal. It's really important. And I think that being able to be part of a company that allows such important voices and progressive ideas to be published really, I think, gives me hope that the kids of today are going to pave a way for a much better tomorrow for everyone. You've been in in publishing for a while and PR for a while. What major changes have you seen and what changes do you foresee happening in the future that you are going to have to kind of run along with and, and be prepared for? Uh, you know, I think that, uh, 2020 in particular 
has been a big industry-wide reckoning about the type of representation in children's literature or literature at large, really, um, and whether that's uh, making sure that the authors and illustrators we work with are as diverse as possible, whether that's making sure that the characters we have in our titles are as diverse as possible. I think it's really, it's always been, of course, an important mission to make sure that children's books are representing as many different types of people as we can. I think 2020 has really underlined the need for having as many own voices out there. Own voices is a term we use in publishing that uh, essentially means that these are books written by people who have experienced the experiences they're writing about. So for example, a non-binary author writing about non-binary experience um, as opposed to having a, a straight white man writing about what they think that experience is like. I think it's been a really important time and, and we've had so many crucial and inspiring discussions about how to further amplify these amazing authors and how to make sure that they are getting in the hands of the kids who need these books the most. Um, so I think it's definitely going to be something that the whole industry is going to be re-examining and looking for ways to improve moving forward. I think that it's so important that we have as wide of a representation as possible. And, you know, whether that is everything from books with characters who have physical disabilities or stories about the immigration experience, things like that, that are just not topics that you typically see covered in these types of younger readers books, but are now becoming very, very important and are becoming much more, much more infiltrated into the mainstream. And I think that we need to do a concentrated job to make sure that there is a book for every kid out there to see themselves. And like I said, while that's always been a mission, I think it's been definitely amplified over the past few months. And it's such a gift to see a struggling reader turn into a devout reader through the power that a specific book can bring. So when we do get that right book in the right kid's hands, I really honestly believe that nothing short of magic occurs. And it really is so hopeful because, you know, when you look at you turn on the news today and it is just so devastating and it is so scary about what's going on in this country and to be able to help educate kids today to strive for a much more inclusive tomorrow is really, really the most rewarding aspect of my job. I mean, before COVID, when I would go to attend book events in person and just to see the reaction that certain kids would have with certain authors, it just, there's no way your heart can't smile at watching how much it means to these children to see themselves represented in books. And I think that that is something that industry-wide, all publishers are really concentrating on at the moment. For someone who might be listening, who is interested in pursuing the career that you have, what words of advice and what recommendations would you give that person? I think for someone who wants to get into the industry, really just going in with an open mind and allowing yourself to be surprised, um, even if you think you know exactly what you want to do, 
they will really help you because when I, uh, when I graduated from Muhlenberg, the first thing I did was I, uh, I took a graduate program at Columbia, uh, called the Columbia journalism course. I'm sorry, the, the Columbia publishing course at the school of journalism. And that was really what made me switch gears from thinking that I wanted to be in editorial to realizing I wanted to be in publicity because as much as I loved the idea of editorial, because I've always also had this passion for writing as well, I realized that the the publicity aspect of the industry is what attracted me the most because it kind of combined all of my passions because I am writing a lot. I'm writing press releases. I'm writing, I have to find creative pitches to get people to talk about books that they might not specifically typically talk about, especially in this pandemic, you know, it's been, it's been challenging to navigate the media landscape because of course, so many, so many newspapers and magazines and blogs or what have you are either closing or the media contacts that you typically work with have either been furloughed or let go or have moved on to another publication. So, you know, it definitely is challenging to make sure that you're talking to the right people. But I think that you know, once you have that kind of passion solidified, it really drives you. I did leave publishing for a few years in between my, in, in between my career. Um, after my time at DC Comics, I, uh, I was over at HBO for a few years where I moved over to the marketing side. And before I ultimately returned to the world of publishing, I think being able to have learned so much from being part of a different department helped me really fine tune my skills and also the things that I cared the most about in publishing, which was publicity. And I think that being able to learn different things that I can apply to my publicity world was so helpful. And it really provided me a full 360 view of how things work. Because when I was working in marketing, I was working on helping create the posters that you see for a season of a TV show or figuring out where billboards are going to be placed in LA and that kind of stuff. And publicity, I think the biggest difference between publicity and marketing really is marketing is consumer facing things that are paid for. Whereas publicity is trying to get consumers organically. So for example, you know, you're not going to put up a billboard, but to get a New York Times review, you're going to get the exposure that way. What would you say is the biggest misconception about PR in general and publicity? What do people not understand about it who aren't doing it? I think that it's a lot more detailed than a lot of people might think it is. It goes so much further than just, you know, getting, trying to get media coverage for your client. It's everything from planning an entire tour. If you're working with an author who is going on a 10 city book tour, you are their resource for everything. You are planning their car services, their flights. You're planning getting media escorts so that they can get from one place to another. It's making sure that when interviewers are talking to them, they're asking appropriate questions that the authors feel comfortable answering. For publicity, we are the author care division of our company because I think we are the first people that authors will come to with questions. With publicity, you have to really stay on your toes and be able to 
quickly and creatively redirect to find ways to engage people when, um, you know, they might not be even looking for a new book right now. So it's definitely the type of job where you have to be really on your feet the whole time and be able to find new and exciting ways to get parents excited about books to buy for their kids at a time when it's really difficult to be selling any kind of good. I think just having an open mind and being able to want to continue learning and realizing how all the different little things you pick up along your career, whether it's from one job to another or whether it's from one hobby to another, what have you, they all, they all come together organically. And I think that being able to combine those things really, really helped me find a home that I feel so in love with now and that I, I can't imagine myself doing anything else at this point. This episode of 2400 Chew was produced by me, Tammy Katzoff, Associate Director of the Muhlenberg College Career Center. It was recorded remotely and engineered by Paul Kremposky at the studios of WMUH, Allentown, Pennsylvania. Our opening and closing music from Cowboy Bebop is performed by the Muhlenberg College Jazz Big Band.